Good evening. And now, the Inspirational Quarterly. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Inspirational Quarterly, the world's number one most beloved, most celebrated podcast devoted to nothing other than a thorough discussion of Starcraft Ghost Nova, the 2006 novel by USA Today bestselling author Keith R.A. DeCandido. I'm Davey Reedon, and joining me for the last time is Kara Ellison. Hello, Kara. Hello. Oh, I'm so sad. It's the last know, one right? ever. The last one in the whole universe. If this is your first episode listener at home that you are tuning into, uh, you've made a mistake. <laughs> don't don't this is gonna go badly listen from the beginning please because otherwise this will all be nonsense to you after this point um we this is it we I made should, it through the whole book and I this just, is a i just want to mention the little ping noise you just heard was my email sending on a, a reminder to me this this was the last podcast ever <laughs> Yeah, of all podcasts. Of all You're, podcasts. No, we're, we're not allowed to record any podcasts of any kind after this. As a, <laughs> sort of, to, as, a, as a sense of closure and finality on the Inspirational Quarterly. Um, yeah, Kara, uh, we're, we're, we're basically done. All we have to do is interview Keith, and then uh, we're off the hook for this I whole know, shebang. I know, right? We have so many questions for Keith. And we are going to get to those questions. Keith is, is about to come on in just a second. But before we bring him on, I uh, wanted to announce uh, and welcome our other special guest host for this episode. Please welcome back to the show. Very special friend of the Inspirational Quarterly and administrator of the StarCraft Wiki, Subsurian. Hello. Darn. Hey, I, I, hi, Subsurian. I was going to introduce myself as uh, or, uh, Michael Kane at the last second. Then you did. Then you did the wiki. I'm like, ah, darn. There goes that. Steel Keith Thunder. I feel yeah. like any impression of Michael Kane would be better than Davies. <laughs> All right. Can it's not too late. I have a couple no. I have a couple list of questions to ask Keith. It's not too late to ask him for his best Michael Kane impression. <laughs> Well, the thing I'm most excited for is I have a bunch of like nitty gritty, tiny questions and a lot of just of the development. And I'm curious which ones Keith's going to hate more, yours or mine. Mm, yeah, probably ours. Um, <laughs> probably ours. All right. I'm just going to get a, I'm going to get a, let's get a vote here. Do, do we ask him to do his best Michael Caine impression? How are we feeling? What's I, the, what's the temperature? Do it. It's the last I, episode. Yeah, you I, might as well. All right. I think he's okay. got all one. Right. I think he's got one. Okay. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, to, now, to be fair, I've never heard either of your Michael Caine impressions. So, uh, you, you know, I'm just saying I'm the one putting myself on the line over here. Me and Keith, right? Uh, not, not that I think you need to, but I'm just saying haven't heard them. So <laughs> could be a lot worse than mine. Um, I don't know if I can do it. I feel I feel intimidated, um, but I don't know. Right, Isn't well, he famous well, for being like, you only had to blow the bloody doors off or something like that? But it's like a South London. I think they said it was was his famous accent. I just, I'm too American for this. 
Yeah. Well, we'll just have him. We'll have him back on the podcast, and uh, he can explain where he's. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are gonna uh hop into the interview with Keith here uh, in just a second. Uh, of course, uh, Kara and I have uh some. I have a bunch of questions that I wrote down through basically the whole second half of this podcast after the last time we interviewed him about things like uh Frobeat and the ship named Pasteur and um, other things like that. And uh, Subsurian, it sounds like you've got a bunch of nitty gritty nerd things. Yeah, to ask him. stuff about the development of ghosts, the nitty gritty, especially the Valkyrie question. I, I'm going to get, yeah. I'm going to get fix this. This is, it's my goal. I can die happy if I get this answered. Starcraft will be finished. Uh, (laughs) Kara, remember when last time we talked about what social good is this podcast doing? We're allowing Subsurian to die with pieces. (laughs) Well, there you go. We we ultimately went out on a high note. (laughs) Kara, anything you you need to ask Keith? No, I'm I'm like. Excited to actually know the answers to Subsurian's questions merely because I don't know how deep the rabbit hole goes with Keith. As in, like, does does he know the answers to a lot of these questions, or is he merely a pawn, just as the rest of us? We don't know. So, yeah. Interesting. You're trying to bring Keith down to our level. Yeah, I'm trying to make him a man of the people. Is he just you know, moved around on the checkerboard by the big corporations just as we are, we don't know. We should ask him. That's true. Keith is always writing about the common people and what it's like to just be a person on the street. But is he doing so from his lofty corporation ivory tower, basically? Exactly. How much much power does he actually have in the StarCraft universe? Prove, Keith, prove your... A common person. That's the kind of question we can ask him here. Like sure how much? Is, how much is a pint of milk? We we should ask him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll lump that in with the Pasteur question. Um, <laughs> this poor author. <laughs> he wrote a book. This this poor guy. Hey, he we already did this two years ago. <laughs> I know. We already here. did this. We already did this to him once and he agreed to come back. So I don't know what else. I don't know what what is left to say for him. All right. The ball's in his court. I mean, I feel like Uh, we should be very careful with Keith because he's a black belt in karate. So, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's a black belt in karate who lives across the country from where we live. So I mean, he could get in a car and drive to my house. Oh, yeah. It would take him days. (laughs) You, it depends how angry we make him, Davey. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, <laughs> well, let's find out how how angry we can make Keith. Uh, uh, and no, let's, let's uh... not. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna find out either way. <laughs> uh, all right, load, loading up all my Family Guy questions. <laughs> um. All right. Shall we do it? Let's shall do we it. hop in. Here we go. And welcome back. We have with us today on the podcast a very special guest. 
you might know him as the author of Starcraft Ghost Nova, the 2006 novel by USA Today bestselling author Keith R.A. DeCandido. Please welcome back to the podcast, Keith R.A. DeCandido. Hello. I got your name right this you time. You did, yeah. I did thank you. Not I the last time I introduced you. I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. We 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 have consistently gotten that correct throughout the rest of the podcast. Hey! Just, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, we are so thrilled to have you back, Keith. Thank uh, you so much for coming on the podcast once pleasure. again. Um, we finished your book. It took maybe longer than any human being has spent <laughs> reading this book in human history, uh, possibly. Um, Subsurian did make a note did make a point of noting that he actually read the entirety, reread the entirety of this book uh, in the amount of time it took us to read two pages of it. Yes, I've, I've read, I've reread this book. And, and I think I told him like probably 15 times um, just for wiki work. Um, so there's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be interesting, the difference in questions we ask. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Slight, slightly more specifically nuanced questions related to the StarCraft universe and less about, you know, let, I don't know, family guy. Uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we did it. Um, I, gosh, where, where to begin? Where do we start? There's, we have there's so, so many much. questions. We do have a lot of questions. Uh, first off, Keith, how are you? I'm doing okay. Um, crazy busy with life, the universe, and everything. I uh, working on a bunch of different projects. Um, continuing to uh, write short stories, write novels, write comic books, write um, uh, pop culture commentary for various sources. Um, I've got. Uh, Bunch of a bunch of different projects going on right now. A bunch of things coming out right now. This year in particular, for some reason, this has been the year of the short story for me. I've got I've got a ridiculous number of stories coming out in anthologies this year. Um, it's just kind of the way that's worked out. Um, and uh, uh, and I'm still doing martial arts. I uh, I teach an after school karate program to kids. We just had a big uh, uh, year end thing with them where they all uh, earn their next belt level. Um, which is, which is nice. Um, and, uh, you know, trying to, you know, juggle all the many, many different things that I'm doing at once. So. Keith, I, you're, you're, we know you well for your prolific output. Um, you last came on the podcast last August, August okay. of 2021. It's now June. It's been 10 months how many things have you published since you came on the podcast? Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. Last August. So, uh, mostly, like I said, it's been, it's been, uh, it, recently it's been, the last 10 months, it's been a lot of short stories. There's um, short story in, anthology, in anthologies, uh, Devolution Divine, um, the book Phenomenons, Every Human Creature. Um, uh, and now I'm spacing on stuff here, but, uh, the, um, uh, anthology called Three Time Travelers Walk Into, uh, which I have a story, uh, 
the mask. Um, hang on. Which, which, that, that story puts together um, a bunch of different people. Uh, Mary Shelley, uh, the writer of Frankenstein, Josh Gibson, who was a Negro Leagues baseball player, and Florence Johnson, who was a NASA scientist. Um, that's a fun anthology, by the way. It just came out from Fantastic Books uh, as we record this. Um, and, it, and all the authors took three random people from different points in time and threw them together into a story. Um, so there's that. Um, let's see. Keith, as a writer myself, you are such an aspirational figure in terms of output. I just, I cannot imagine writing as much as you, even though I guess technically I write thousands of words a day for video games, but it just seems like your your prolific nature is just something that all writers wish that they had. I guess. Um, I uh, there's also some stuff I've written that hasn't actually like come out yet. So I, um, I've I've done a bunch. I've done a couple of essays. Not just uh, I've been writing regularly for Tor.com. I've been doing reviews of the new Star Trek shows as they come out. I've been doing a rewatch of Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, I finished up my rewatch of Star Trek Voyager and then jumped into Enterprise. Um, I every six months I revive the great superhero movie rewatch. I've done essays for a couple of uh, one book about one about uh, the Stargate franchise uh, and one for a book about the 1966 Batman TV show. Um, I've got another short story that's coming out this month uh, in tapes of Tales of Capes and Cowls, and uh, another one in a Zorro anthology called Zorro's Exploits. Um, oh, nice. Zorro. Yes. That's a cool IP. Yeah. yeah that one, that, oh, and, and one in an anthology called um, The Fans Are Buried Tales, which is the story of the Marriott Carpet. Hmm. And correct and, me if I'm wrong, uh, Keith, don't, don't you have a Kickstarter for something? I, I've been seeing it across the Twitter feed. Uh, that is, uh, I mentioned uh, I had a, a short story in Phenomenon's Every Human Creature, which is a shared world superhero anthology that Michael Jen Friedman created. Uh, we are in the, as we record this, we are in the home stretch of the, the Kickstarter for the second volume, which is called Season of Darkness. Uh, again, shared world superhero thing. Uh, my, my hero is a woman called Luminosity, who is from the Bronx. Um, and uh, she can control light. And uh, there's a whole bunch of really cool people involved with it. I don't know when this is actually going to go out into the world. Uh, the Kickstarter may be over by the time that happens. Um, but uh, but that's we're, we're looking forward to that, uh, to working on that. And, uh, and there's a bunch of things I've written that have not actually come out yet that are supposed to come out this year, uh, including my Resident Evil comic book, uh, which uh, is a prequel to the Netflix series Infinite Darkness. Uh, it's called The Beginning. Uh, it focuses uh, on the character of Leon Kennedy. Uh, in, in, in the animated series, it mentions he, he arrives in the first episode having just dealt with a terrorist attack in Pittsburgh. Uh, this comic book uh, miniseries, which is going to come out this year from Tokyo Pop, is about the terrorist attack in Pittsburgh that he dealt with. He is it in any way about how devastatingly handsome Leon is? Uh, well, that that that's really that's up to the artist to, to portray. <laughs> that, that's more that's more that's more his job than mine. <laughs> you, know, you know, the 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 author writes in this in this panel, Leon is devastatingly handsome. Yeah, and then, and then the illustrator, you know, takes that and runs with it. Right. Of course, For example. Yeah. Right. I've never written comic books, but I assume that's how. It no, works. I I write that all the time in my comic books. Yeah. <laughs> 
this this next panel is the sexiest panel in the history of the graphic novel medium for I, example i have definitely like written a, that so yeah all right all right i haven't do yet you, but i still i i, I I'll, it'll 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 happen <laughs> nice do you do you when you go when you go into writing for something like resident evil do you are you like okay i get the assignment to write for resident evil and i've got my ideas for it and then the internet collectively loses their minds over a giant woman and then is there any like well dang now i have to work this kind of zeitgeist in into what i was doing uh, not really um especially for something like i mean in this particular case the very specific uh assignment was to do a prequel to infinite darkness so um the 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 plan all along was to do the, I mean, it was right there in the, in the story. He just came from a terrorist attack in Pittsburgh. So it was an obvious thing to do as a prequel was to, to tell that story uh, of what Leon was doing prior to arriving at the white house in episode one. So, um, so that was I, the, the basics of that were always pretty much the same. Uh, and then the details were worked out with Capcom as, as with writing the Starcraft novel that we'll, we'll be talking about shortly. Um, the people who design who own the game uh, have a very uh, large amount of say of what happens. Um, in, and uh, the people at, at Capcom uh, over in, in Asia were, were very much hands-on with, with what, you know, what the story could and couldn't be. Mm. So. We do have some questions about that, don't we, Davey? Because we were wondering exactly how much the corporate overlords uh, were able to direct you and you know, limit you from doing what you felt you needed to do or wanted to do on this book? Well, with, with, with Nova, um, about, I got a thumbnail outline of what the story was supposed to be before I started writing. And that, that came from Blizzard. Um, the basics of Nova's backstory were already established as part of the background for the uh, StarCraft Ghost game that never happened, but <laughs> this was supposed to be a prequel to. Um, so some of that was 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 given to me uh, as a fait accompli before I even started writing. Like this has to be part of it. Um, like the fact that Nova um, uh, was a very powerful telepath, one of the old families on Tarsonis, uh, who then who, whose powers manifested during a terrorist attack on her family, and in which she killed a large number of people telepathically, and that's how her telepathy first showed up and then she got eventually recruited into the ghost program and so on and so on. Uh, what I added to it was her entire sojourn um, in the gutter. Um, that part of it was pretty much all me, uh, mostly because the story they gave me wasn't enough to fill an entire novel. Um, and I, I liked the idea of, you know, some formative experience, formative experiences that would, result in her actually wanting to go to the ghost program because of uh, the fact that once you're in the ghost program, they wipe your memory. And I wanted to give her some memories she wanted to get rid of. Um, so, you know, because I know Subsurian has a related question, but like, because of the fact that like, you know, they must've probably had quite a turbulent uh, time making that game because obviously it, the resulting thing was that it didn't come out. Um, but did they often you know, change their mind about who 
Nova was and like they were they never really certain what kind of person she was because of the game sort of you know uncertainty no, around that it. That was never that was never an issue. The, the problems with the game, as far as I knew, were um, had nothing to do with the story and had to do with the the mechanics of the actual game itself. Um, yeah, it was uh, the the storyline never really changed. Um, right, and I never there were never really any any issues with that, uh, and and they were they were completely happy with how I wrote Nova in the book. Um, and, uh, that, and there, and there weren't, there weren't any, that, that the chaos of the creation of the game did not have an impact on, uh, my book, except insofar as it had changed the deadline once in that, um, cause it was originally supposed to come out in April and then it was going to come out in October and then it could come out whenever cause the game was canceled. But, uh, <laughs> but it, it, it never really had an impact on the story itself. The story was, was never the issue okay. uh, with that game. So, and, and I was, I was working directly with Chris Metzen who was in charge of the game stories for all three of Blizzard's games at the time. Uh, and he was great to work with. He was, and he was very, you know, very approachable. We worked out the, the plot of the book, you know, like I said, he he handed me that original document of the basic pricey of, of Nova's background, uh, and then I expanded on it, and he and I talked about it over the phone a couple of times, um, and he was with me every step of the way of writing it. So uh, it was very collaborative, but also very cooperative. Oh. So, yeah, there well, were it's no. It's good there to hear no that it was like there. a pleasant experience. Oh yeah, no, it was great. I I I, I had a great time with this book. So. We, we have accumulated a handful of sort of more kind of specific questions about the story that's come up because we talked, we last talked to you about halfway through yeah. our reading of the book and um, we've definitely got a, a few things. I know I have a few things. I know Subsurian has a few questions. Uh, I, I guess let's just dive right in and kind of like, and, and again, you know, we said this before, but the, you wrote this book 15 years ago we're drawing we didn't even think you would remember most of this and then you gave us backstory about and then you gave us backstory about jeffrey the terrorist being claustrophobic and then and then all our our expectations went out the window um and oh and i should i should add this is a fun tidbit you told us that jeffrey the terrorist is claustrophobic and that's why he doesn't want to go to jail we added that to the StarCraft wiki, and that's how Subsurian found out about the podcast. And it was... <laughs> yeah, it's true, because we have we have 179 uh, character articles from your book, and nobody wow. touches them usually. <laughs> so I've, I've joked that some of these questions are going to be a revenge for making you curate me or making me curate all those articles. <laughs> Sorry, like the, whole, the whole way we met Subsurian was because we basically vandalized his his work. Who's editing the Jeffrey Vandal article? Vandalized it with correct information. Yes. I mean, uh, it's still there. It's technically author words. So, okay, there you go. So just know that Keith, anything you say here is going on the Starcraft wiki. Fine by me. I, you know, I, honestly, one of the things. One of the things I really am happy about uh, is is how much of the stuff that I added to Nova's backstory and Nova's personality, both in this novel and also in the um, in the Ghost Academy manga that I wrote for Tokyo Pop, has actually made it into the general StarCraft lore. 
Oh, uh, so much. <laughs> we'll get. I'll get into that well, with some questions, but okay. I think some Surian. You said something like five percent of all characters I, yeah. in the StarCraft wiki are from this book. I don't. Th I, I don't think it's that high. I kind of pulled that number out of my butt, but uh, okay. it's pretty. It's pretty high. There's a lot of like the original game only had like I think twelve named characters in it. So oh, yeah, it... yeah the, the, the 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 actual game story, which which I got to see, uh, was not very populous <laughs> yes yes whereas i put a crap ton of people yeah. under my books so most of whom you know died we... when the zerg invaded anyway so yeah yep <laughs> I, I do i do have some questions about about the the volume of people in your book um i when we were reading it i actually flagged this one page here uh this is page 177 where nova is entering fagan's uh hideout and there's all these drug addicts around and she's reading all of their minds and, and knowing things about them. Like Maria, who had been an actor who spent more time going to parties that producers went to partaking of the Snoke than she did actually acting or Donna, who used to be a nurse before the stress of the emergency room led to her taking a hit of crab here and there just to get through the day, a habit that got worse and worse until she wound up here. And then this, after a couple more of those, this paragraph goes on to simply state, or Jorge, or Kara, or Debbie, or Wendy, or Kelly, or Marianne, or Jim, or Todd, or Leah, or Steve, or Thomas, or Chris, or Sarah, or Liza. And let me let me add this: one hundred percent of those names are individual entries in the StarCraft wiki. Oh, sweet Jesus! Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I have to ask: when you're writing that. Are you individually thinking about a backstory for every single one of those names? Like, does does Todd, do you, like, at the time, did you know what Todd's deal was and why he ended up in this place? I, at that point, I just wanted to show the enormity of what Nova was going through. I mean, uh, the, the whole idea was, of, of the whole point of, of that particular paragraph, which, of course, is like one entire sentence, but, <laughs> um, which, which I'm sure... Uh, made my editor have a heart attack, but um, the point of that was to show how overwhelming Nova's powers are and her telepathy is, um, because she can hear freaking everything. So she's in a crowded room; she knows details about every single person's life in that room. And so, I mean, I, I, to answer the actual question, no, I don't know specifically what Jorge and Kara and Debbie and Wendy and Kelly, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the point was just to show the enormity of what of what she was going through there, and a long list of names helped convey that. Um, I, I didn't have anything. Because I'm just saying, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have surprised me if we had asked what is Todd's deal, and you had said, "Oh yeah, Todd, I remember Todd." Like that would have yeah, no, legit, that, I, that I, yeah. I, as impressive as that might make me sound, no. <laughs> I just I just wanted to have a bunch of names there, um, but and and and, and again, I, and I did come up with backstories for several of them. I mean, with with I mean, it started with I've got the pay. I, I called the manuscript up here just to help help me get through this. Um, you know, from Harry to which was more detailed, and then Maria was slightly less detailed, and then Don, and it got less and less detailed just because I didn't want to overwhelm the reader, and that wasn't the point. The idea was, you know, this person's life, and that person's life, and that person's life, and all of that is hitting her at once. Let, let me ask you a specific one now and, and again, you know, again, 15 years, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this one just for some reason, this one really stuck out to us on page 167. Malcolm is questioning a woman named 
named Dharma, and he threatens to close her store. And she she yells, close the store? I can't do that. It's my livelihood. Sides, Frobeat would kill me. Um, Mal neither knew nor cared who Frobeat was. Now, that's the last time that this book mentions Frobeat. Correct. You had to have known who Frobeat was. Somebody... Uh, maybe... I that was just me trying to show a greater life for this person beyond the conversation she was having. Um, oh, Frobeat, Frobeat is such an evocative name, though. You know, like yeah, Todd. I just, I, okay, it sounded cool. Um, Todd, sure. Todd's a drug dealer, or whatever, <laughs> but or drug addict. But Frobeat, man, Frobeat has got to have a whole thing happening in in, in Frobeat's life. It's uh, I, I'm I'm thinking that Frobeat is either the person who actually owns the store. Uh, for whom she is managing it, uh, or somebody to whom she owes a great deal of money, or perhaps somebody who invested in the store. Um, any number of uh, uh, possibilities there. Uh, part of it was is is again to show the greater life that Dharma had beyond that. Also to show that you know it's where they live is a crappy place to live, and there are consequences if you're shut down or if you or if your livelihood is cut off that are that are devastating. To somebody yeah and the, the consequence is from beats coming after you exactly and that and you know it, it again it's trying to paint a picture of what life is like down there so gotcha um so Syrian, what what about what about you what's what's on your mind all right uh, yeah the, the intro actually when you went through like the development of chris metz and actually checked off like three questions i had so now i've got to reorganize <laughs> my list <laughs> i literally had a question of like what was it like working with chris metzen uh um, so, i love chris chris is chris is a mensch oh yeah i kind of figured he he has a, and i was gonna bring up he has an intro in this book of literally just raving yes. how even ghost got canceled that he's super proud of this book so it's always yeah. nice to see. Um, yeah. But for mine, mine goes, um, let's go, yeah, let's go with this one. So kind of the like reevaluation later of this book has kind of said that while it is a book about Nova, it's also a book about Mansk and the situation that leads to his rise of power, like more so. And Nova's kind of a lens to see the fall of the Confederacy, like the corruption of institutions. I think you even mentioned Hurricane Katrina as an inspiration for it. But was that kind of an intentional thing, showing the death of the Confederacy, like, just everything failing that something that wasn't shown in the games or that was that i mean i i that was part of the that was the timeline of, of that i was handed uh was was that this all was happening in during the time of of the zerg invasion of tarsonis and uh and and when the confederacy was in the process of changing over to the terran dominion so because so i already knew that was going to be part of the 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 tapestry as it were that i was that i was playing with so yeah the the showing i'm always interested in what the ground level consequences are uh when when major events happen um one, one of the things i've really been enjoying about uh what we've been seeing in the star wars universe since disney took over particularly in rogue one in uh the tv shows the clone wars and, the, and rebels uh in in parts of the last jedi is uh and in solo for that matter um is is showing like previously the star wars movies were about these big major events with with you know important people doing important things and overthrowing governments what does that mean for the person down the street you know uh what does that mean for the person who's just trying to you know make a living running a bar or something uh and and you're also seeing that uh 
I should also mention the Mandalorian and, and Book of Boba Fett as well. And, and I like that. That's that's what's of interest to me uh, as both as a writer and as a re and as a consumer of fiction. Uh, so I wanted to know, you know, all right, what is life like for people, for the actual, you know, regular people, not the members of the old families who have money, which therefore means they're comfortable no matter what. But what about the people who actually do all the work, the people who are, who are just trying to get by uh, in the Confederacy? What's happening to them? Um, you know, in order for Minx to have been able to co come to power, there has to have been a certain level of uh, incredible dissatisfaction and, and difficulty in the Confederacy itself that enabled him to take over. Um, so that, yes, that was very much in the back of my mind of why I wanted to do all the scenes in the gutter was to show, you know, why the Confederacy died, basically. Okay, yeah, that, that's kind of the the read a lot of people have on it, especially because in the games you don't even like they don't even have a city tile set, so you never actually see Tarsonas fall directly. So yeah. It's, it's yeah, this was kind of the first deep exploration of what that's like. So yeah, yeah. cool. All right. Speaking speaking of Mensk, I have a related question that gave us a considerable amount of discussion. Yeah. Uh, Keith, in your opinion, would Mensk do a beer bong? Is there any situation in which Emperor Mengsk would ever do a beer bong? Not that I can imagine, because I can't see himself allowing himself to get out of control in any way. Not even as a like as a a show of of solidarity, like you know how you know how you know how politicians it'll be like, oh, he's like someone you could get a beer with, you know. Like as a way of, of being like, oh, I'm, I'm on he, your side, common people. He'd, he'd, he'd find a way to sneak some non-alcoholic beer into the into his glass and and and, and fake being drunk. Oh, so he would do the beer bong, but with non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, he'd totally cheat. Yeah. That is big. Oh, so it's, okay. So it's it's not about the it's not about the image of him doing the beer bong. It's about whether or not. So he doesn't. Wait, I thought because okay, Subsurian so said something about. If if Menx were drinking, he would drink like fine port. The, the, oh, the yeah, later, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Uh, the later books go very deep into like his exact preferences of port and like whiskey and other things. So I, I, I mean, Keith is right. Yeah. Okay, so he just but he just wouldn't want to get he just wouldn't want to get intoxicated oh, off of no. off of shooting a beer. No. Okay, all right. He's, but it's he's not the drunk, image. If he's gonna get drunk, it's gonna be off the good shit. Yep. <laughs> but it, but the image but the image of him doing a beer bong is not something that he, he like he wouldn't have a problem with that he wouldn't be like oh I don't want people to think I'm the kind of emperor who would do a beer bong for example yeah but there would have to be something in it for him to do it right gotcha okay okay no that's that's great that that thank you for concluding uh what was a long and lengthy discussion I mean we for, had debated um we had debated the, uh, whether Constantino would do one, and we thought maybe only if Nova <laughs> asked him, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's totally... He'd do anything for her, so yeah. And, uh, Can you imagine Nova asking her dad? <laughs> Not at least. But <laughs> she... Well, this is an alternate. Okay, so you know how you know how dis how like uh, Disney and Marvel have their own like what if universes where they're like yeah parallel things, whatever. Starcraft needs a what if 
Constantino hadn't died and Nova grows up with her family. And then there's like scenes of Constantino going to visit her at college. And he like, you know, and she's, she's like, come on, dad, do a beer bong with us. And then, you know, he's like, okay, if you say so. So that's all, you know, just more, more for Blizzard. If they uh, choose go. to go down that road. I'm sure that won't happen. I, <laughs> if only. Come on. Come on. Oh, I, I would love it, but I can't see it. <laughs> oh, Davey, you had once written a song about Constantino. Oh, I did write a song about Constantino. God, that was, that was ages ago. That was like, God, I was like super early because, because we were at the, um, because we spent like a long time at the birthday party at the start of the book because like it was right when we were getting into the show right uh or like right right when we were kind of like figuring out our whole deal and uh so we spent like a ton of time with constantino but we knew he was gonna die and it was really like oh my god we love we we're, we love this character and every page we read is just like another page closer to his death and uh so <laughs> i i wrote a song i took um I took the the lyrics to the uh, the popular song Despacito, and okay. I swapped them all out for Constantino, <laughs> and um, and I, I took like a like a karaoke instrumental track of the song and and sang over it, um, which I mean I would I would I would do, but I don't know where the um, the instrumental track for the uh, you know what here I'll just hang on. This podcast is all right. Let me just. I'll just use that I've got. (laughs) Yeah, this will do. All right. I think I can. I think I can. In a serenade. I think I can put this together. Well, you know, Keith is Keith is here for our for our our final episode. I figure, what better way than to, um, you know, serenade Keith? You did. Did you invent Constantino? Uh, I well, not as such because. his uh her parents were established as existing because they were killed uh i was the one who gave him who who gave him that na- that first name though yes okay so this is a tribute this is a tribute song to the character of constantine of constantino invented by keith r.a de candido in the 2006 novel starcraft ghost nova here we go <laughs> set set to the hit song despacito <laughs> In a bitter world of sin and war It's easy to forget what it's all for And life becomes a long, unending chore But there's a man who knows how things should be And how to sing and dance and just be free The world needs a hero such as he Constantino, he's been our favorite since page 13. Oh, I could see him running a casino. He would be played by Al Pacino. Constantino, and Eleftheria is his queen. Oh, and we know that he likes drinking Pinot. He steals each and every scene. Where have all the good men gone, all the heroes that we know, all the fearless and peerless we need, oh, I can swear they were right there, you see, oh, 
Wait a minute, here he comes, it's our boy Constantino, with the power and the strength of El Nihino, be my sword, be my shield, Constantino. Amazing! That's, wow. Yay. Yay. I, 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 that was remarkable that's, that's, in finding things to rhyme with Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of time. There was, there was a lot of time spent yeah. <laughs> coming up with with words. I, mean, I think and... my favorite was page thirteen. Oh, that was thirteen. <laughs> was good. I also enjoyed Pino. Very good. Yeah, Pino was clever. Yeah, so um, that's going on the Stanley yeah, Parable he... soundtrack, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. No, hey, it's already released. Oh, can't add it. Oh no, what a shame. Oh no, what a shame. Oh no, that's so terrible. No. Um. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, another. We 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 uh, asked some of our we asked our listeners what timestamps kind of mark the beginning and end of listening to this podcast for them. Like what happened in their lives. Um. When we started this podcast, I didn't know how to play guitar. Wow. So, uh, there you go. That's a little. That's a little bit for me. You know. On uh what what i've been through um so anyway that's that's the constantino song i um, i wow okay <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was that was amazing that uh, thank you I, I i think that's the first time a character i wrote has been built so uh <laughs> amazing uh uh all right let's uh Let's get let's get back to the hard hitting questions. We oh, we've I... done enough we've done enough buttering you up, Keith. Let's <laughs> let's get let's get back let's get back to grilling you on specifics of the plot. Okay. Um here's all right. Here's a question that we spent a lot of time on. Oh. Uh there are 6 months of this book. There's a time skip where Nova is just working for Fagin killing people. And Malcolm is out trying to find her and failing. And and it it ends, the period of time ends when Larry, Malcolm's connection at the police department, just tells Malcolm the leader of the gutter is Fagan. And that's the critical piece of information that Malcolm uses to actually solve the case. Right. Six months is a long time for Malcolm's contact to not tell him about the basic who is the person running the gutter because mm -hmm. it's a little what is he doing what's he doing i will point out in the greater canon it did get retconned to one month um because they could not figure out the timeline of that whole era <laughs> oh I, six months was what I was. That was that was what I was told it had to be. So, no, yeah, yeah, that was that was a uh, that was a later thing when they realized that. I, I'm sure that was something they gave out from top. Wait, why? Why is it? Why is it necessary? Or at the time, why was it necessary for there for it to be a six month gap specifically? Hell if I know. Um, I that, okay. That, they just told you they were just yeah. like six months. Yeah, at the, the time oh. between uh, when Nova killed her family and when they finally and when the the invasion happened uh was about a six month period at least that's what i remember okay. I, I i can't swear to that 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 that's one thing that has definitely fallen down the memory hole of of 
15 years. Um, it's possible, got 17 years now. Um, it's possible that the six months was my thing. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I, I have absolutely no memory whatsoever. I might uh, actually have the answer to this one um, because okay. initially they uh, StarCraft One, which you wrote in, is was going to be a whole year, and then Brood War was going to be the next year. And when they, sh um, so I expect they wanted you to have kind of that big gap to show the Confederacy, but then they shrunk it all down to the same year. And ever since then, they've kind of just like tried okay. to. <laughs> okay, tried that, to make that condensed. That makes sense. Um... Yeah, because yeah, it sounds like something that I would have been. Yeah, um, but as as for the thing with 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 uh, Clerchin and and Larry, um, I've I've done I've written a lot of police procedurals and uh, I've done a lot of research into the actual day to day life of, of detectives uh, and and such. Uh, and one truth that has that has come up often is that that's is the sort of stupid shit that happens all the time. Um, uh, somebody just doesn't provide a piece of information because they assume you already know it. And so it never comes up because you know, everybody knows that Fagan runs the gutter. And it's, it's, such, it's such an important, it's such a, 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 an everyday thing. Everybody who lives in the gutter knows this and everybody who lives in the gutter assumes that everybody knows everything because everybody they deal with every day lives there. Kalerchian's an outsider. He doesn't know. Um, nobody outside the gutter even thinks about what's going on in there because it doesn't have an impact on their lives. So he never mentioned it because he just assumed that he already checked that out. You know, and that he already knew all that because people are insular. They only think about what's going on as far as their own nose. Um, and so, yeah, I that that was something that I thought was was completely realistic just based on my experiences of life uh did, did you have a in in talk in talk because you said you talked to actual like police about about detect or about things that had happened i have over their... not specifically for this book but for other books i've written yeah is there a, is there an example do you have can you remember a specific example of like a wow we really screwed that up because one person just didn't tell another person a, oh, lots. an yeah. obvious detail. Yeah. Um, uh, I, uh, one case in particular, um, I don't, I don't remember the specifics, but it, it was, it was a case where, you know, why didn't you tell me that this person was sleeping with this other person? And you said, well, you never asked me that. <laughs> um, the, oh, the, was there a case that hinged on whether or not two people were sleeping together? Yeah. Yeah, somebody who was, who was who was wrongfully imprisoned, um, and it turns out the person for for a murder, and the person who actually did it uh, was the person she was having an affair with, and the affair didn't come up because he didn't ask about it. Wow! All right, yeah. interesting. It's, it's all a matter of asking the right questions, and also, you know, people don't volunteer any often when they're questioned, don't volunteer any information beyond what they're specifically asked. Hmm. That's not unusual, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I like the dedication to, I mean, what's interesting about this book, I think, is that you, you do make it so like street level. Like it is very like, what's the day to day of people who live there? Like, what are the people doing whilst these like huge machinations in the universe are happening mm -hmm. around them? Like, that's kind of like 
why I think it works out so well. So like that makes sense. Uh, so sorry. And any anything anything else oh, on your list? Oh, plenty. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring out the big gun. So I know. All right. So oh. there has been a debate that has been running for literally 16 years about a small detail <laughs> in this book. And as, I, 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 awesome. Yeah. And I know you're a Trekkie, so you definitely know how weird people get about starships. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, when the Annihilators raid Fagan's compound, they do it in a ship called a Valkyrie. And yeah. as, as you know, a Valkyrie is a unit in Brood War. Uh, the issue okay. being, though... All right, all right, wait, before before you continue with this question, Subsurian, yes. I just have to mention, yes, I am a Star Trek fan, and I am very plugged into that universe. However, I do not have the bone in my head that makes me care about ship design. <laughs> uh, that's fair. So, keep <laughs> wow. that in mind when you no, ask this question. Not, not specific, but you do know how weird nerds get about it. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think it's great, and I, and I, I love that. Um, I just, I, I just, I can't get arse about that sort of stuff at all. The, no, the, so that, yeah, that's fair. Um, but okay. So the problem well, with that... up, it's probably because I don't have the bone in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so the Valkyrie appears in brood, uh, the brood war expansion, but the issue okay. is it's only introduced after the fall of the Confederacy because that's a tech uh, ship that comes when earth invades in brood war. Um, and that's important because the basis for the Valkyrie is it, it's advanced Earth tech. Earth is way ahead of the sector. And that becomes the basis for a lot of the air units in StarCraft, too. It kind of pollutes the tech of the sector and makes the Terrans advance. So the kind of theory the f- communities come up with is, oh, well, it's a different role. This ship seems smaller than described. It might be a different ship named a Valkyrie because uh, we have things named the Valkyrie now. So, OK, yeah. Is that kind of your perception of it? Um, I Now that I have this information about the 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 earth ships that i didn't have until three and a half seconds ago um yeah sure no i mean <laughs> people reuse names all the time you know i mean the, to, to, to throw another star trek example in there there's more than one ship called enterprise oh yeah um, you know and they're and each one is a different class of ship than the other one um you know people and valkyrie is is a good name for a ship <laughs> Um, I mean, these were the choosers of the slain. It's a great name for a military ship. So yes, it would get used more than once. So yeah. My my favorite thing is I told uh, my friend that I was going to ask you this question. And his response is, you know, he's literally just going to say, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. Yeah. Well, you, you now concluded a, 50, a literally 16 year debate that everyone's been having. So <laughs> just ask me. God. The, the Starcraft wiki. The StarCraft Wiki does not deal in gray areas. The StarCraft Fair enough. The StarCraft Wiki deals only in in un in in verifiable fact. And uh, today, it, this has shifted over into verifiable. <laughs> the, the entire podcast built up to this moment. <laughs> okay. Again, what social good are we doing here. for the world? It's right here. Right. Speaking of ship, speaking of ship names, speaking of good ship names. Uh, there is a ship in StarCraft Ghost Nova named the Pasture. Yes. Uh, good ship name, Keith. Good name for a ship. Liked We liked that one. I, any I, any I, recollection why the Pasture? Uh, it, it was, um, I mean, it was named after Louis Pasteur, who, you know, created Pasture's A. Um, but uh, uh, the idea of a medical ship named the Pasture is not something original to me, and it's been done any number of times, including in Star Trek. Um, uh, in fact, there's a double that, that was partly, a, uh, I think it was originally inspired by the ship that was commanded by Captain Beverly 
Picard uh, meet Beverly Crusher in the alternate future in the final Next Generation episode, All Good Things, where she was in command of a medical ship called the Pasteur. Uh, on top of that, the uh, commander who, who uh, greets Agent Kalerchian on the Pasteur is named Honeycutt, who is named after B the character uh, BJ Honeycutt from the TV show MASH, who is a... Oh, so it's a crossover situation. Yes, yes. Don't, don't mind me just writing this down. <laughs> Immediately going in the wiki. wiki. I like how I like how your memory of this book is better than mine, and I read it like like two weeks ago or some or like these these sections. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I, I have, like I said, the, the manuscript is in front of me here, so I'm I'm calling it up and it, oh, okay. looking at it is helping jog my memory. I wouldn't have Man. I wouldn't remember that if I didn't call up the page. You really dodged an opportunity to make yourself sound like heroically good at memorizing I, things. I, yes, I did, but I, I'd rather be honest about it. Oh, you, you're 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 so much better than I am at everything. Um, yeah, because hey, we, hey, we I feel any better. I can't play the guitar, so. Ooh, all right, but you can do karate, so yeah. that's yeah. Yeah, but that took we okay a long time. Here, anyway, here's a question. We this came up. Would you theoretically would you remember would you forget your own name in order to get better at karate? If someone could be like Keith, you're gonna you're never gonna remember your own name, but you're gonna be amazing at karate. Would you make that trade? No, because I've managed to be pretty decent at it while remembering my name. So I um and and I that's not how that works. Uh, the the whole way. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I just I'm I, I'm gonna hit a timeout here. I'm gonna hit a timeout on the on this very second. That's not how that works. Okay, no, let me Isn't explain. the sentence that's allowed on the inspirational quarterly. Let me explain what I mean by that. The, more of a yes and kind of, uh, of point, here. Part of the point of of doing martial arts is the the work you do of self improvement and of of making yourself stronger and making yourself more aware of your own body. and it's 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 from doing the work that you get it so having you know better skills just handed to you obviates the whole purpose of doing it you know yeah tell that to Jason Bourne tell that to Jason Bourne who lost all of his memories and got amazing at karate he was already so, amazing at it though i mean touche <laughs> you you can't you can't prove that him losing his name didn't make him better at karate i'm fairly sure it didn't but, <laughs> <laughs> but you can't prove it no because he's a fictional character but the uh but no I, like i said the, the the whole the whole point and thrust of, of of doing that is to is is to to get the is the process of learning and that's, that's part of what's fun about it too so no i wouldn't do that because then a i'd forget my name which would be annoying and and b it, it the 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 reward for that is not really a reward all right all right that's all a right. good answer that's fair that's fair Jason Bourne might disagree but uh <laughs> that's that's <laughs> I understand your perspective on it um all right let's see what else do we have here all right i've got a question um throughout the book malcolm ha malcolm kalerchian has a sort of uh heated rivalry with esmeralda nadochi is that nadochi or is it just dochi uh um, you remember uh it was I'm trying to remember 
it's, it's sort of like the, the consonants run together, so it's Nidochi. Okay. Uh, a, if I remember so, correctly, it's a, an Eastern European name. Hard to so. spell, and if you get it wrong, they need you to do push-ups. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, Esmeralda uh, and Malcolm have a sort of uh, uh, intergovernmental rivalry going on, and they're always kind of like at each other's you know, throats, and they're always in competition with one another. Is there any possibility that there is like under the surface a romantic thing brewing there between the two of them? Not even a little bit. Um, <sighs> sorry. No, that uh, the, the, the rivalry is, is standard uh, interdepartmental rivalry that you see in military and law enforcement uh, where, where everybody from one particular division uh, thinks that the people from the other various divisions are morons. Um, you see this with local cops versus federal uh, agents. You see this among different federal agencies. You see it uh, with different branches of the military, where if you talk to any sailor, they will think that all soldiers and Marines are complete morons. Marines will think the same of the soldiers and sailors, and soldiers will think the same of the Marines and the, and the, and the sailors. So, yeah, um, that, that's, what that, that's where that came from. Um, uh, as for a romantic relationship, no way, because she is a total freaking psychopath. Um, and, uh, Kalurchin isn't that, um, suicidal, frankly. He's, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a, a self-loathing kind of thing. Yeah, but not him. that kind of self-loathing. I, that, that, it's kind of self-loathing that expresses itself in drinking far too much alcohol, not in, in, uh, getting romantically involved with someone who could kill him with his pinky. Um, so you think that Kalerchian is more on the like, you know, survival route where he wouldn't do that because he knows that it's, it's kind of death for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I've always, if, if I may be permitted to be slightly crude here, um, he, he subscribes to the theory of, of uh, don't put your willy in the crazy as it were. Um, Got it. So. I mean, reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I want, I guess there was a part of me that wanted to, there was a part of me that wanted to believe that he could see himself going down that road just as like a fuck it, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I give up. Let's just, you know, let the cards fall where they may kind of thing, you know, like, he might, you, he might like do you, that, but not with her. Not with her. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I had a I had a thing in the back of my mind. Oh, that's fair. Know. We all we all we don't always want what and we need. Honestly, you know? your interpretation is just as valid as mine. Uh, it, it's a fictional character, don't. and you are welcome to interpret him as you see fit. Way ahead of you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like for 16, 16 months ahead of you right. on that one. And, uh, and, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know the character anyway. So you know, what the hell do I? Care? Well, we, you have no idea how much we've ruined your book. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess Davey yeah, is going to... guys have not ruined... But guys, you guys have, have honestly... Th this podcast has elevated the book in so many ways. So... Yes. No, no worries. Yes. That's all we needed. I just needed to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, Subsurian, do you have an actual question? Yeah, I, or... it's funny because that, that that somehow can spin off into three different questions, and I'm still deciding which one I want to do. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, actually, the one you mentioned, the divide with the Army, Navy, and Navy. Um, 
one thing kind of a small world building thing is you're the pretty much the only uh, writer who ever brings up the confederate army in every meaningful way it's always either the navy or the marines so i was always curious if you intended that to be its own separate thing from the marines and navy or if that was just a different name yeah because that's i mean yeah um they in, in in the current um I was, I was, I was pacing it on the current United States where the army, Navy and, and Marines are, are three separate and the air force for that matter is a separate service. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I was basing it. Yeah. I was basing it on, on that, that they are separate services and they would be, okay, perfect. Um, they don't have to be, um, it isn't required. I just thought that was a logical way to do it. Um, but, uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's the simple. Yeah, it's always the question because they've never shown up in the games, but some writers will occasionally allude to them existing. So it's always been the question of like, do they mean the Marines? But it nobody makes more sense for the army to exist. Yeah, and and yeah, nobody said I couldn't. Um, exactly. And, you know, it just, I just, I, it was, it's just, it's, it's a structure that the readers of the book would be familiar with, you know. Uh, so because we have those three separate services. In, contem- in the contemporary United States, and that's the primary audience for the book. So, yeah, oh, perfect. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't required, but again, nobody stopped me. So, <laughs> uh, if you don't mind me taking one more, Davy. Um, you. I, this is your. This is your. Day, um So the one notable thing about this book is is the first time any LGBTQ characters ever show up in any Blizzard game or media period. And also, it's probably the first. Wait, really? Yes. Why? Yep. Did we? Did you tell us that? Yeah. I didn't know that. Carrie, did? Do you remember that? I know. I didn't. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Fagan has a Fagan is bisexual, and there's also mention of uh, uh, Nova reads the mind of a gay person, and it's it's minor, but it's still the first time ever in any Blizzard media that shows up. And That's wow, interesting. Um, yeah, but also, um, my discord asked, well, I also wanted to ask, cause it's also the first book that kind of explored the more like the old families having mistresses, kind of the more sexual side that games yeah. media usually avoids. Was that something you got any bite back on or was it, uh, or is it just something that you thought would make sense for the universe and they didn't say anything on it? Uh, the latter, nobody, oh. nobody, nobody gave me any pushback on it. Um, uh, but nobody said, you know, again, nobody said I couldn't. So, um, but it wasn't anything anybody specifically asked for. It wasn't anything that anybody objected to either. So it was just well, a thing you know, I did because, I, that, that, because there was no reason not to. I, I, I try to write fiction that reflects um, humanity as I see it. Um, and I see humanity as being very diverse and complicated and multitudinous. So. Well, now Fagan is our bisexual king. So there you go. Um, the uh, yeah, you can talk a lot about Fagan that, though, Davey. About about Fagan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about Fagan, but most of what we talked about was the fact that he sharpens his teeth into shark teeth. Yeah, that's and true. the yeah, idea he, that he, he has a harem he, of people coming through and sexually engaging with Shark Man. Yes, basically. Yeah. Um, is just an image that kind of roils the human brain a little bit. What, that's what I was going for. So good. Okay. All right. Well, if, if your if your hope was to sort of induce a kind of uh, psychological spiral there, then job well done. Because uh, <laughs> we we had a field day with that for oh. sure. Uh, oh, and uh, 
and and that that reminds me um you mentioned this it doesn't remind me at all i don't know why i said that i was just trying to segue uh you you we so surian mentioned that space that there's a joke in the in the starcraft community about space australia um and you mentioned new sydney in the book and uh new as far as subsurian correct me if i'm wrong but new sydney is not explicitly in the starcraft canon a uh australia analog yeah right it's pretty they do a lot of like oh this planet is named after earth city um so it's probably is i mean i I, keith you would know because i think you made it but um i i was just i was just going with the naming conventions that i'd seen elsewhere so yeah yeah well that lines up (laughs) yeah but wait, so was is is this book the first instance of New Sydney? Yes. Okay. It's so so Keith, in your mind like again, I don't know if you remember this, but in your mind, were you thinking like I'm adding Space Australia into StarCraft? Not as such. I was just going for a naming convention that I thought would be used in the world of, of naming things after places on Earth. You know, much a lot of places on Earth though, and you picked Australia. Yeah, why not? I like Sydney. It was a fun place to visit. Fair, fair. <laughs> uh, you know, there's. It's just so funny because uh, when we, when we talk about this, we always go into like, oh yeah, Keith must have a lot to say about Australia or something. Well, I mean, it's I do always... like Australia. It was a fun place. Um, I, I visited there in 1999 with my first wife. Um, we spent a week in Sydney. We spent uh, uh. A long weekend in Melbourne for the World Science Fiction Convention, which was in Melbourne that year, which is where we built the trip around. Uh, and then we spent another week in the Cook Islands. Uh, it was a great trip, wonderful trip. Had a great time. Spent a lot of time on an airplane to get there and back. But um, uh, but Sid- uh, Sydney is a great place. I'd love to go back. Um, so yeah, lovely. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure uh, the memory of that trip was in my mind when I decided to call a place new Sydney just because it was, it was a great trip. That was all that at that point was only, you know, I wrote this book in 2005. So, um, well, and you told us you were on a, you told us you were on a vacation when you wrote a a lot of this book. Bill also built around the world science fiction convention. In that case, uh, it was in Glasgow, uh, in, uh, August of 2005. And we built, and, and my, my girlfriend at the time who was, uh, I, moved in with after my first wife and I divorced, uh, she and I built a vacation around that trip. We went to Glasgow and then we went to, uh, to Dublin, uh, spent a few days out in County Wicklow. Um, so a lot, a chunk, a good chunk of this book was written, uh, on that trip in general and on a pub on Marion street in Dublin in particular. So, so is it possible, is it possible that the new Sydney name came from your, maybe subconscious connection between the world science conventions in Sydney and in Glasgow or well, no, in well, Melbourne. Well, the world, the world was in Melbourne, not Sydney, but the, the trip we went to Sydney also. The, it's possible that that, that I have, I'm just saying, I have on, on the mind as it were. So. Cause I'm just saying the fact that the fact that space Australia is a joke within the Starcraft community as Subsurian alluded to us I like the idea that that is just a tangential result of you having written this book in and around a vacation where you were going to the science exhibition. 
I just find that a funny, it's a funny detail. I, I until five minutes ago, I didn't know Space Australia was a thing. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it because Subsurian. That's it. Is there? There's yeah, a, it, a running joke. It's, it's I guess, kind of because the sector is all convicts from Earth who got put on ships and set to the ah. other side of the galaxy, and they're now in this wilderness, this harsh wilderness with no support, and they're all rugged outback. So everyone's like, "Oh, it's just Space Australia." So that's been right. the running joke. Gotcha. All right. All right. The real, yeah. Once again, the investigative journalism here, digging out the, uh, <laughs> the, important, the important stuff. Um, all right. What else you got, Subsurian? All right. Um, so I, I was always curious if this was an intentional running gag or not. But as the books go through, you start with the, the with pistols. You start with the P30. And Fagan's like, oh, it's not as good as the P100. And the numbers just keep going up. Like Esmeralda has the P500. And then finally, in the epilogue, you have Johansson with the P1000. It's like better, better numbers for pistols. I was curious if that was a running gag you intentionally put in the story or calling it a gag is giving it too much credit i i, I mean i was just thinking in terms of how uh the, the numbers increase simply because this was the latest one and the numbers just keep going up because that's how you know that's how model numbers tend to work you know uh the first one has a lower number than the next you know the next one has to have a bigger number of the next model you develop that's all okay. i mean yeah it, it was just meant as a, a logical progression of how the designations would go for for, the, for each gun yeah, it's traditionally how you know how far through the video game you are by what gun you have. <laughs> it's like close to the end if you have the grenade launcher, basically. Right. So it has led to the funny thing of books kind of set having their tech level by the P pistol that Keith made. Which who what really? pistol do they have? Oh yeah, the P the P series shows up a lot. Oh nice. Okay, I didn't know. <laughs> Amazing, Keith, you I set really. the pattern. Excellent. This, this I remember in so I remember in Dirty Harry when Clint Eastwood says this is the P five hundred. It's better than the P one hundred and the P two hundred and the P three hundred. Well, after we got the, man, that was a to P one riveting speech to P one thousand. We're like, is this an intentional thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes and no. I mean, like I said, it was it, it wasn't meant as a joke. It was meant as just the way these things tend to go. So. Yeah, it makes sense. Again, trying to do. Good world building. Um, I I have a question. We we have a question that came up about um, Sergeant Hartley, who is one of the instructors at the Ghost Academy, and this comes yes. up at the end of the book when Nova goes to the academy. Um, Sergeant Hartley has a saying: "Arrive late, and you'll be late." Now there was a little bit of discussion over the specific meaning of this statement, and we would love to get the final word on. What does arrive, what specifically does arrive late and you'll be late mean? Um, that's a play on the fact that you refer to somebody who's died as the late whoever. All right, all right, all right. That's what we, that's what we suspected it was, yeah. but our, our, our readers did suggest a number of possible alternatives for what it could be, uh, including one that was the idea that Sergeant Hartley is literally encouraging people to be late to class to slow down the war mechanism because he's secretly trying to stall out the uh, industry of sending children off to war by slowing the whole system down more and more gradually. 
Um, so we discussed okay. that's, various that's certainly an interpretation, but that. that wasn't what I had in mind when I wrote it. Um, I, I had Hartley in mind as being quite the opposite, as being very much plugged into the whole uh, uh, military industrial complex of the Confederacy slash the Terran Dominion. And uh, yeah, he no, he's perfectly okay with. I, I always interpreted him as being perfectly okay with sending kids off to war because war is fun. Um, so yeah. If if I, 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 I kind of like, I like, mind you, I love that idea right. that, that, that there's a different interpretation of it. Um, I I think that's actually rather nifty. Um, but uh, that was that was not what I had. That was not my my intent. Uh, my intent was a play on on the two different uh, uses of of the word late. All right. I, I do have to ask if 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 Robin Williams from Dead Poets Society were a teacher at the Ghost Academy and was trying to break out of the system that all the kids are stuck in and teach them about life and love and what it is to be happy, how how, how successful would would Robin Williams from from Dead Poet Society be as a teacher at the Ghost Academy? Do you I think? would say not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like how how many how the ghost academy is yeah like how how long does he last a semester maybe before they okay before uh director bick basically kicks him out on his ass um but they're not firing him mid-semester they're like giving him they're giving him a minute to they're just waiting to see like does this turn into something yeah and 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 you know for the for the sake of continuity with the kids they would want to you know have a complete a complete term with them before they change over to a different instructor. I guess this is more a, uh, like this would be more a ghost Academy question, but it involves Hartley. So I'm sure Davey's not going to mind. Did Hartley kind of draw on your karate experience? Cause in more in the ghost Academy books, he seems more as they, the, they pull on his martial arts background more. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> by the time I wrote ghost Academy, I was, I, when I wrote, um, Nova, I had just started, uh, karate uh i'd only been doing it for a year uh when i wrote nova by the time i wrote ghost academy i was training for my first degree black belt so i i was much, i was much more knowledgeable that was i wrote that in 2009 2010 thereabouts so I, and i got my first degree black belt in, in october of 2009 so um uh I, yeah so that that i was i was bringing a bit more of that in into the character of hartley uh in in ghost academy for sure also davy i want you to know my wife was on hartley sayings for like a week after you all did that and i did i to show her all the no this is this is it's just his thing in the other book. <laughs> uh hartley, love, by the way, was, yeah. named after, was named after uh a friend of mine who i've since completely lost touch with uh but um uh an australian author who uh science fiction author who lives in uh lives in London, or at least lived in London last I heard named James Hartley, um, uh, who uh, I actually spent a lot of time hanging around with uh, when I was at the WorldCon in Glasgow in, in 2005, which is why I named the character after him in the book. It all comes back to the World Science Con in Glasgow in 2005. Apparently. Everything stems from this one event. I'm getting my beautiful mind newspaper board and red strings out where everything in the Starcraft universe comes back to this one moment. Mm-hmm. Did you go, uh, uh, Keith, did you go to the uh, Glasgow Acropolis when you were there? I did not. No. 
Oh, dang. It's, it's awesome. I didn't, so I didn't, one of the didn't really do much. I didn't, we didn't get to see that much of the city beyond the convention itself, unfortunately. Ah, it's like one of the most epic graveyards of all time. It's got some really good, weird statues going on as well. It's it's an excellent uh, graveyard. I'll have um, to get back on this. For some, yeah, for some reason, it's traditional for Scottish authors to go to a graveyard and just pick names off of the, off of the, um, like gravestones, and then put them in their their books. So it's hey, it's great, a nice source of weird names. You know? Yeah. Keith, what's what's like the the moodiest or most atmospheric place that you've ever written? Like, have you sat in a graveyard and written? Did you sit on a melancholy clifftop at sunset writing? Like, what's the most picturesque sort of place you've come up with with material? Oh, picturesque, probably um, uh, Wave Hill here in the Bronx, um, which is a, a a private park that uh, is open free to the public on Tuesdays. Uh, and I've, I, back when I lived within walking distance of Wayfield, which I don't anymore, um, I went over there a couple of times and we just tried, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful park with a great view of the Hudson River and the New Jersey and, and the, the Palisades in New Jersey across the river. Um, it's, it's the highest point in New York city and, um, uh, beautiful green space. Uh, and I've done, I've done writing in there. Uh, that that's probably the most picturesque spot I've actually been sitting down and writing in. Have you have you ever written in a graveyard? Have you ever sat like I in a not. foggy no. graveyard? I've got one yeah, actually okay. walking distance from where I live right now. I live uh, very close to the Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx, which is a very famous cemetery. Lots of uh, very famous people were buried there. Um, uh, and so I could theoretically go and write in a graveyard, but I haven't. I feel like the Acropolises are like one of those places that, you know, um, just sounds cool. Like it sounds like a cool thing. I don't know. Necro- yeah. Like, you know, it's like populated with dead people. It's a necropolis. What a cool, cool word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. More questions. Uh, sp- speaking of dead people, <laughs> I, all right. This, this is one, this is one that I'm not. I'm not going to like, you don't have to answer this, but we noticed that in the, in this book, director Killiany, director of the ghost Academy goes missing at the end of the book. And we thought to ourselves, Oh, Hey, I'll bet someone else picks that thread up somewhere else in the Starcraft canon and explains what happens to her, but nothing. We looked it up on Starcraft wiki, the bastion of all Starcraft knowledge. And there's nothing. Keith, do you would you like to comment on a possible interpretation of the outcome of director Killiany? Uh what I was doing there, uh, I, I there had to be a changeover. Um, that that I wanted to switch from one director to a new director, um, because of the switchover from the Confederacy to the Dominion. That was that was the symbolic reason for changing from director Killiany at throughout most of the book to director Bick, who takes over at the end and is also the director in. Um, ghost academy um my original thought was to um was to have uh kiliani just be killed and then i thought about it and decided no let's have her go missing because there's something could be done with that down the line didn't have to be me who did it it could have been somebody else i thought about doing something with it in ghost academy and had i continued writing that i might have um but it, it just, I, I didn't have anything specific in mind. I just wanted to leave it open for a future possible story. Um, 
and it turns out nothing, as you said, nothing came of it. But uh, the the thought process there was just just leaving a little breadcrumb there that that could be picked up later or could just be left on the ground. Do you want to conjecture about what happened? Uh, no, because like I said, the the what I was, it would that's the sort of thing that you leave out there as a writer and leave it open for something to do with later, but you don't want to tie yourself to anything in particular. Right. So um, you don't want to tie it down. It, it would depend on what the needs of the particular story you wanted to tell. Like, Oh, Hey, here's the right story for this. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a number of possibilities. Uh, one of the things that as an example, you know, she could be trying to, you know, recruit telepaths on her own to form her own little rebellion against Minx. Um, you know, that's that's one possibility since she has experience dealing with young telepaths. Um, good. It sounds good enough for the StarCraft wiki to me. I was going to say, it sounds, oh, no, it no, sounds no, like wouldn't. Spectres. Hmm. <laughs> well, actually, yes, except they didn't yeah. use her, but yeah. Yeah, of course um, they didn't, yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's, that, that, that's, and, and Spectres is just the story of, of the StarCraft ghost game that never was, but uh, that, uh so if you don't mind spin, me spinning off, um, I know you had uh, you had a draft of Spectres and some of Ghost Academy. Did you have a full draft of Ghost Academy planned? Because if you don't know the story after the changeover, Tokyo Pop went completely bankrupt three issues in and just left everything hanging. And then we got brief resolution in Spectres. But yeah, um, I was I was originally contracted to do Spectres, but Chris Metzen left, and the people who took over the story from from Chris and I could not get on the same page. Um, which happens sometimes, you know, especially with, with, with licensed properties like this. Um, and so it was decided to go in a different direction with, with Nate Kenyon, who did a great job, by the way. Um, I honestly think the book he wrote is probably better than what I, than what, what mine would have wound up being. Uh, and it was, and it was very different, which was good. I think the variety of voices is a good thing. Um, so yeah, uh, same thing happened with, with, with Ghost Academy. It just, uh, the, once Chris left, I just uh, the 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 new people in charge just they didn't seem to like my work as much, which happened again. This happens. Uh, David Gerald took over for volume two. Did, did volume three ever actually get published? Volume three did get published. Yeah, uh, that's where it ended. Was that David? David wrote that one. Too? Yes, David did write that one. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I had an outline for for all three, and I don't know how much of it David used, um, if any of it. Um, I'd have to actually sit down and read them, which I haven't done. Um, but uh, so yeah, I did have at least a plan for all three volumes of, of and and yes, it was resolved in Spectres because it had to be Spectres took place. I mean, uh, Ghost Academy was intended to be a a a midquel, as it were. It was it was always meant to take place between uh, Nova and Spectres, anyhow. So and and you invented Delta, correct? Delta M Block that was your creation. Yes. Uh, okay, because yep. now she is she was she actually is now a major character in the games now. She, with the oh, new really? stuff, yeah. So nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I love how much we, I love how much Keith is being informed on his <laughs> own work here. Like that's it's which it makes sense. Like it makes total sense to me. It's just phenomenal that like oh wow you know you wouldn't you would go all these years and literally not know that that or this or that thing had happened. I you know I was basically kicked off Starcraft for more or less. So I I my my motivation to. Uh, keep up with it was was pretty low because i was kind of cranky about not you know getting uh getting in on it so uh and, and i just and also it's a time thing i just i uh 
I don't have time to keep track of it. But I'm thrilled, though. I mean, I don't, I don't own any of these characters anyway, so they're welcome to do whatever they want. And the fact they're doing anything with them is, is makes me happy. Um, I'm, I'm glad I have had a lasting impact on, on the world. Um, and especially, I, I actually Del, Delta was a, was a fun little character, so I'm glad, I'm glad she's they're, they're used to doing more with her because there were a lot of possibilities there. Speaking of speaking of Blizzard, since the last time we talked, Blizzard got bought by Microsoft. Uh, how do you how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Um, given given the other problems Blizzard has been having, um, probably being bought by Microsoft is is might make the corporate culture there a little better. It might not. We're hoping. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think uh, I'm not always a big fan of large corporations taking over smaller companies. But there are times when it's a good thing, and I think this might be one of them, given uh, everything that's come out about Blizzard over the last couple of years. So, yeah, it was it was always you know, it was always like one of those uh, very insular companies, I guess, because they're really based yeah. on their own little campus in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh dear, I feel like uh, video games uh, really need to step their game up, so yeah. to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's we were, I, we were we were talking a bit about how much the uh the culture around video games has changed since back in the day like when this book was was even first written like you know, we were just talking about the fact that women in like leading women in video games just generally tended to be portrayed in a different I mean, not that, you know, not that there aren't lots of incredibly problematic things still going on today but just that there was there's at least the possibility today of a of women being protagonists in games and not being the subject of like vast amounts of trauma you know to get to the to get to the point where we are um it was just uh an interesting reflection on you know like wow reading this you know going going back to this place in time almost 20 years ago and being like oh yeah that was that was just uh kind of par for the course back then you know yeah, I mean the, tra- the the trauma was something I was kind of stuck with. On the other hand, um, nobody in the StarCraft universe has a particularly happy life. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Garth Duke uh, may may beg to differ. There, Garth Duke is living it up. Garth well, um, there's always there's always something. Uh, let me let me let me make, let me uh, take it to a. A, a little bit more of a jovial note here. Um, Keith, this is going to sound a little bit out of left field, but uh, you've, you've probably seen Family Guy. Oh, no. Yeah. I imagine. I imagine. I, I have what seen would... it. I, it's, it's, I've not like watched every episode, but... What, roughly, like, like what, se- what was the last season that you saw any Family Guy? I have no think? idea off the top of my head. I... I mean, I've, I've, I have watched it. That's the best I can. What think. was your, what, what, what was your impression of it, like at the, at the time? I, it was, it was, it was a, it was fun. Um, some were, some were better than others. Um, it was, it was, I, I, I found it to be amusing for the most part, which is what you want for want in a comedy. Um, you know, and some of the, I, I loved their Star Wars parodies, um, that they did, and. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I like, I generally like it. Not enough to like watch okay, it. Honestly, I, but I did actually hear from friends that the Star Wars parodies that they do are very good. 
I don't. I have never seen them before, and They're I'm really not enough of a I, Star Wars fan to like actually get the references or whatever. All you you don't need to be a Star Wars fan to get the references. You just need to have seen Star Wars at some point in your life to get the references. That's it's not that complicated. <laughs> it's it, it has been it has been a, it has been a minute since I I've seen uh, the 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 ye old Star Wars fair so. Enough. Uh, these days I'm more of a Starcraft kind of boy, but I, 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 um, I, I that that's a total shock to me. Um, anyway, <laughs> why do you ask about Family Guy? He says leadingly. <laughs> where Where is this going? You know, oh, no. okay. All right, here's here's the problem. Here's the problem. I we spent okay. This podcast is has we're on. This is episode fifty nine of of the Inspirational Quarterly. We spent a meaningful amount of some 10 episodes of this podcast just discussing season 10 of Family Guy. Um, there was no real good reason why we did that. There was no purpose. Uh, it, it hurt. It was bad. I hated it. it uh, was half a, our it was audience a, left. <laughs> it was... We literally looked at the metrics and we took a meaningful dive in our ongoing listenership during the segment of the podcast where we discussed primarily individual episodes from season 10 of Family Guy. Um, I I don't have a question for you. <laughs> I, I just, you know, we're, we're, we're here at the end of it all. And I just, God, that wasn't a good idea. It, <laughs> I, I would tend to agree with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess it was just your own curiosity as to how <laughs> bad Family Guy had got. And when you started watch, watching these episodes and then reporting them back to me, I was kind of devastated that, you know, that it was still going and it was still as bad as you said. <laughs> I, I was hoping, because I also remember having a whimsically fun time with them back in the day. And man, season 10 was a real kick in the crotch. Uh, yeah, it was, I, it was it, yep. you know, oh, man, it would have been real great if you happened to have been super versed on season 10 of Family Guy. And we could go into a lot of detail on it. But um, yeah, no, it just, it wasn't good. And we shouldn't have done it probably, but here we are. And, yep. you know, and if there's one thing that I take away from Starcraft Ghost Nova, it's that the best thing to do with your trauma is to forget about it. There you go. So, yeah, I kind of um, wish we, we did. We did get our minds wiped over those 10 episodes <laughs> that we did. Yeah, I probably have a lot of our listeners I imagine feel the same they way. They want their time back, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want a refund. I, I, yeah. I would yeah, I can I would sympathize with that deeply. So maybe you just, you know, he, all right, Keith, could you could you apologize to our listeners <laughs> for what I put them through? I don't know if you feel <laughs> Maybe could could you just I stop my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Apologizing would, would would bestow upon me a level of responsibility that I do not have. <laughs> that is so true. You are not responsible for Davy's bad decisions. 
<laughs> Dang, I was really, I was really hoping to get myself off the hook here. At the no, end. You're, you're, you're on your own with this one, buddy. That, that oh, sorry. Shucks. All right. Well. So anyway, Keith. Uh, I mean, <laughs> hey, it never hurts to ask the question. I, I never, just thought I would. You I just ask, thought I would put it out there. You know. You don't, and you he don't said, ask the question. They'll never say yes. Um, Keith, Keith established a boundary. Yeah. And I respect I respect his boundary setting with me. Thank you, Keith, for for being a for being clear about it. Yeah. Um, I, that's all the questions I've got. <laughs> um, so, so sorry, and do you have any? Anything oh, I have else? so many. I I, I might have made them. I, <laughs> I, <made a> <laughs> I I also we've been at this for almost an hour and a half, and I really need to get back to to you know my life. Yes, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm, we're not gonna uh, keep you up, but I'll uh, I'll, yeah. I'll do like uh, one or two more. I'll get the important ones. Yeah, and uh, and I'm happy to if you want to do this again another time and do some more questions, I'd be happy to. I just I can't continue tonight much longer. Yeah, so no, that's perfectly fair. With <laughs> um, let's see, let me hit some of the good ones. Uh, ah, here we are. So, did the infiction slang come from Blizzard, or was that something you made? And was it something that you intended to be specific to the gutter? Because that was something future books really leaned hard into, even when it wasn't related to the gutter in Tarsonis. I no, that was. I, I'm glad that that got picked up on because I I thought it made it feel more futury. Uh, it also enabled us to be able to. In, in much the same way that, that the TV show Red Dwarf came up with the uh, futuristic slang Smeg, uh, Battlestar Galactica yeah. gave us Frack, Farscape gave us Frell, it enables the characters to use profanity without actually violating um, uh, the, the, the without, while maintaining a, a PG? family-friendly rating, shall we say, um, uh, by coming up with, with bits of... of slang that aren't actual profanity for the people reading it uh and therefore we can curse all we want because it's all fake words or variations on words um so that was where i was going with that i was just trying to create a a, a convincing sounding slang of the future um yeah because slang changes over time and and it wouldn't be the same slang that we use now feck especially um, got really picked up and it led to the fun situation because the games don't really do it but the tie-in novels do yeah. so you had a game where they'd never use it then the bridging book that rainer just uses it all the time the next game he stops <laughs> using it <laughs> yeah no that was like i said that was that was what i was going for there and i'm glad and i'm really glad the other authors picked up on it because that was that was what i was hoping would happen um so yeah. So I'll do one last one, which I've labeled as the genius at work Simpsons question and revenge for um, for making me curate all these articles. So cool. on page, aren't you happy you came on this podcast? <laughs> oh, very happy. Yes. <laughs> on page thirty-seven of the paperback of Starcraft Ghost Nova, Constantino is looking at a hologram of Michael Liberty's news report um, that's fabricated on the situation on Atiga Prime. However. On page 156 of the Liberty's Crusade paperback, Manx has this to say, clipped together by bits of previous reporting using an actor as a stand-in, a shuffling of pixels. Mind you, it's easy enough on a flat screen, damned impossible with a true hologram. So how is Constantino looking at this news report on a hologram? Manx underestimated the talents of his technical staff. There we go. <laughs> Oh, hey. after all these years. 
take that, nerds. You got me. <laughs> and, uh, which, which, and I, and I, and I pulled that one out of my ass because I, I, I mean, obviously, I was using Liberty's Crusades uh, dialogue for that, and I must have just missed that when I. So that was that was my screw up. Uh, and t- to be fair, nobody else caught it either. Um, oh, you underestimate I mean, how how nitpicky. No, no. Let me, let me <laughs> nobody, uh. nobody caught it during the production of the book. Yeah. is what I meant. So you know, yeah. nobody at Blizzard caught it. Nobody uh, at my editors at Simon and Schuster didn't catch it. Uh, so uh, that's on us. But I think I. But also, you know, guys in power always assume that their employees are morons and they're are, are untalented or hacks, and they're usually wrong. So I mean, that's a very reasonable explanation. So hey. yeah. Cool. In the well, wiki now. Well, well, Keith, uh, we've kept you here for long enough. We've grilled you with uh, specific questions and tried to catch you off guard and tried to get you to apologize for mistakes that we made. And uh, uh, yeah, you, you made. dodged I, I, all I, of it. I think the plural we there. Is uh, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a. I think I think Karen's Syrian, more willing to you know, John, <laughs> willing to also you know accept co-responsibility for the Family Guy segment. What did I do? Um, I skipped those sections. Uh, <laughs> we're not apologizing for you, Davey. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think you know. It was like we, we. It's kind of like a we thing, you know. Like, uh-huh. thing. Um, and uh, and Keith, you expertly dodged every single one of our uh, of our efforts to trip you up. So. Uh, congratulations! You, you win, Kara. Kara, tell him what he's won. Uh, you win a whole lifetime of never having to talk to us ever again about this book. That's the best gift of all. Well, they are releasing it. As I, 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 oh, that was one thing I wanted to bring up real quick. I don't know if you, I don't know if you know anything about the audiobook and re-release that Blizzard had put out. Uh, no, nobody tells me anything. Oh, so. oh okay, yeah, because I, 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 I guess when you magically start getting checks, then you'll know. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, they recorded an audiobook, and Davey did a whole thing diving into it, but they never released it. Yeah, it's, actual investigative journalism. That's it's right. Probably wow. because of us, Davey. Renewed interest. Yeah, exactly. Those, definitely. What? What? And what definitely. is it? Fifty people who listen. <laughs> yeah. So, sir, do you know when that's when that's supposed to happen? So that's the thing. It was supposed. It, it was supposed to happen last November, <laughs> and then we heard nothing. Oh. But it's recorded. It exists somewhere. They just okay. haven't released it. I, I I have friends I can talk to. Oh. So okay. Well, I I, I know people who work at Blizzard. Oh, so. cool. See, right. uh, let us know. This, this might. This well, might... I know a person. I know a person who works. This podcast might I lead can, to a I greater can. good after all, Davy. Yeah, no, that'd be great. I, if this podcast ends up having any any meaningful positive impact on the world, it'll be probably not as a result of something I did, but you know, in indirectly. Yeah. Um. Gosh, thank you so much, Keith. We yeah. uh, love having you on the podcast, and we just love reading the book that you read. This has been 16 months we've been doing this podcast now, and it's all been uh, your book is at the the heart of all of it. So, and, so, uh, so one month for each year since the book came out. Yeah, good. God, oh, God. yeah. See, wow. symmetry. <laughs> Amazing. I never even thought about that. Was that was deliberate. But, yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah, no. Oh, sorry, that was deliberate. And the yeah. last thing Blizzard yeah. put out before they stopped StarCraft was a Nova story. So hey, it's all symmetry. There you go. For sure. 
Um, Keith, do you have anything you want to plug before uh, you take off? I mentioned a bunch of them at the top of the podcast, but um, uh, and uh, like I said, by the time this goes live, the Kickstarter for Phenomenon Seasons of Darkness is probably going to be done um, since there's only like a day left as we record this. But um, uh, if you if you go online to decanzado.net, you will see my terrible website, uh, which I hope to update some year. But it, it provides links to all the different places you can cyberstalk me. Uh, I am very active on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, I have a YouTube channel. I have a Patreon, which I would love it if you would support. Um, on my Patreon, I do movie reviews, TV reviews, uh, excerpts from my works in progress, um, uh, cat pictures, uh, vignettes featuring my original characters, and also uh, first looks at my first drafts. Um, each of those is a different tier, so it's like as little as $1, you just get one movie review a month. Uh, as much as $20, you get everything I just mentioned. Um, and there's tiers in the middle. But the, the most expensive tier is $20 a month, which would get you monthly movie reviews, weekly excerpts, lots of cat pictures, monthly vignettes, uh, and so on. Um, so uh, please check that out. It's patreon.com slash crad, K-R-A-D. Um, uh, I think I mentioned I have a YouTube channel where I've uh, read most of my short fiction. I did that uh, during the apocalypse um, to entertain people during lockdown. Uh, I discontinued it at the end of 2021. I may pick it back up because I've written a bunch of short stories since then. Uh, and I may, I may start including them just for completeness sake. Um, that's mostly it. Um, you cool. could, oh, and if you go, uh, I write regularly for tour.com also uh, about pop culture. Uh, I've got my Star Trek Enterprise rewatch, uh, my every half year revival of the great superhero movie rewatch. Um, most recently, uh, I've got rewatches of from the seventies. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman, which is the TV movie version of the Superman musical from the sixties. And, um, uh, the 1979 TV movie of Mandrake. And then, and then plus I'll be looking at, uh, Time Cop and also the most recent review, uh, movies that have come out, uh, Spider-Man, Batman, The Kingsman, Doctor Strange and Morbius. And then, and I'm also reviewing each new episode of the new Star Trek shows as they come out every Thursday. Um, currently reviewing Star Trek Strange New Worlds and, and enjoying it immensely, by the way. Um, and probably some other stuff, too, that I can't remember because it's a lot of stuff. But if you just follow me online, you will see all of it. So just go to decandido.net um, and pick your pick your method of cyber stalking me and it will be there for you. So you're doing a couple of things. Well, one or two. You're just one or Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, I just wanted to make sure you, yeah, yeah. you are still still doing stuff. And it sounds uh-huh. like you are. Um, thank you so much. Keith, uh, we say Thank it at you. the end of pretty much every episode, uh, but um, it wouldn't have been possible without you. So <laughs> thanks, thanks, Keith. Thank you, Keith. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> we'll, uh, Kara and I will be back in just a second, but for now, we're going to say goodbye to our friends, Keith and Subsurian. Thank you both so much for joining us and for being a part of this journey on this podcast with us. It has been a delight and an honor and a pleasure. And, uh, I'll think back fondly on it. So thank, thank you. you both. Thanks. And uh, and good luck to both of your future StarCraft or other related endeavors. If you ever somehow <laughs> sit down and think, you know, I need to know more about StarCraft, just just remember, you can just email me. That for, if, you, if that ever comes Aww. up in your life and you're like 50 years yeah, old. Yeah, right. 
if I'm ever needing like to know the the distinction between different types of you know ships and their usage at different points in you know various wars, and that's just like a relevant part of my day. Do you ever just wonder like if that. they brought Killiani back yet? Yeah, well, we'll probably. Ooh, yeah, we'll... I'll check in every now and then and just be like, hey, yeah, any be... update on that? <laughs> but no, thank you. This podcast has been great, and thank you, Keith, because like I said, I have read this book many times. I do a timeline reread every year, and your works are always some of my favorites. I think they're easily top thank three. Thank you very much. That that means a lot. Thank you. Um. Thanks, everyone. And we'll be back after the break. And we're back with the very end of the inspirational quarterly. This is it, Kara. This is it. Sad. I'm so sad. What's what's your what song best encapsulates nostalgia for you? And as we go on, we remember. I don't know. That's that was that was always mine from school. I guess like don't you forget by me. Ooh, that's good. A good like a um, good the simple minds. If, if you and I were the Breakfast Club, yeah. Um, I'd be the obviously I'd be the trench coat jock guy. Um, who would you be from Breakfast Club? I mean, I kind of wanted to be the trench coat. Guy. All right, we're both we're both the trench coat jock guy, yeah. And Keith is the other four, and <laughs> and and some, Keith and Subsurian collectively are the other four people. <laughs> right. Wait, so the trench coat guy is the criminal, and the jock ha- is separate, isn't he? He's like Amelia. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, right. God, I did not, I did not. Okay, yeah, we're the trench coat guy. <laughs> we're no, you and I are each the trench coat guy, right. and. And uh, and Keith and Subsurian collect collect, yeah, right, right. All right, collectively the other the other four members, right. Um, and uh, and that's yeah, and that's all there is to say, I guess, about that. Um, we did get since uh, since we recorded the the previous episode of the show, we got a couple more emails from folks who got emails in just a little bit after we recorded. Um, so I'll, I'll shout those out real quick. We have an email from Dan, uh, who says, Hey, Kara and Davey, didn't have time to email in for episode 58 due to being on holiday, so I hope you have space in your inbox for one last late criminal. Um, my inbox is just barely, just barely has a little space in it. Uh, I've been listening to the Inspirational Quarterly since the start, and it's genuinely become one of my favorite podcasts. In that time, I have started Treatment for Depression, come out to my friends as non-binary and moved from the suburbs uh moved from the suburbs to the fair city of Glasgow. Hey, which Kara knows. Awesome. Uh mainly to be closer to friends. It's been a tough year of nevertheless good choices. I've yet to be hacked by Michael Caine, but I live in perpetual hope. <laughs> oh, and and that reminds me, sorry, we forgot to ask Keith to do his um Michael Caine impression while we were recording with him. Oh uh, no, um, we did ask. We did. We did ask him, and he said well, he declined. Remember? He well, after after we stopped recording, we remembered and asked him, and he said no, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> like a sensible human being. Oh. God, the shit we put this man through—it's like I don't know. Everyone, go out and buy one of his books in order to you know say in order in order to make it up to him. Yeah. Uh, like- I feel like he deserves some sales from this. 
(laughs) Dan goes on, anyway, just wanted to say thanks for all the laughs. It's been a real delight to listen to you two meander your way through the book. And also thanks, of course, to Keith. All the best, Dan. Oh, thanks, Dan. Thank you, Dan. That's very sweet of you. Um, And we have one more from Spencer, who writes, Howdy, hope I'm not too late in writing this before y'all do a wrap-up show. Oh, and that this got in just after we we recorded the wrap-up show. Uh, But if I am, alas. um, I pretty much laid bare my soul and the things that have happened to me over the course of the Inspirational Quarterly in a previous email, so I won't recap that here. Uh, the things that have stuck most with me from the show are birthday parties, party buses, Antigua and Buffalo, rocket launchers, and meeting new friends, of course. Oh, of course. My favorite discussion in the show is still Kara talking about the Kardashians, which I think <laughs> which I think had something to do with either social media or the presentation of the upper class or something. <laughs> remember but <clears throat> yeah who knows why we talked about the kardashians for an hour i mean truly i could probably relate the kardashians to pretty much anything that we discussed so it's a miracle we only really did it once <laughs> yeah why did we only talk about the kardashians <laughs> I once i mean they're relatable in a completely <clears throat> unrelatable untouchable rich person way <laughs> they're just like you just except like rich us, but rich and popular. Uh, This has been an utterly joyful examination of so much humanity and their occasional relations with Zerglings. Uh Thank you both. Thank you both for all of it. Even especially this week in season 10 of family guy. Thank you, Keith Spencer. Uh, So someone, someone did enjoy this week in season 10 of family guy, which, you know, maybe, uh, Maybe, maybe I, I don't need to feel so bad. No, about you, it. you need to feel bad. I do. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry. <laughs> wow. For a second there, I almost let myself off the hook. No, that was got away that with was it. Close. That was close. Do you think we could get Keith back on? Maybe he'll apologize to our audience this time. Maybe we can get Keith to watch Family Guy. I don't know. Oh, he does. Because he does. Remember he had his like, he was talking about his uh, like Star Trek re- rewatch show or whatever, or what it, I think that was, I think it was Star Trek. Yeah. Like yeah. let's have him do a family guy version. Yep. Why not? We can get him to do it. Yeah. Um, I think he'd be stoked for that. He really wouldn't. I don't, I don't think he would, oh. he would be into it. I, I think, I think we did ask him and he just signed it so much. Like he didn't really care about it. So, you know, well, I, Unless we paid him and I'm not willing to, so. (laughs) (laughs) How, that'd be a great question. How much would we have to pay him for him to do that? Like, what's the minimum price (laughs) to to do a a full, a full Family Guy, every episode of Family Guy rewatch and discussion with us? Oh my God, that sounds like a kind of hell. Like, I think it's the devil. Hell where you get paid. Hell where you get paid. Uh, yeah, but like the devil himself could not think up up a task that is more punishing than that. <laughs> uh, I, in hell, you wouldn't get paid for it. Is all I'm saying. I mean, maybe the hell is that you have to do it because you get paid for it. <laughs> mm. Oh, it's kind of like those things where where they look at someone doing a hobby and and enjoying it, and then as soon as the person starts getting paid for it they lose their interest, their passion for right. the hobby. 
right? right? Like, like you and I watch Family Guy for fun because we love it. But if we started getting paid to watch Family Guy, then all of the joy would would evaporate from it. Yeah, the the joy would have right the joy. Yeah, the intrinsic love of the of the craft. The, yeah, exactly. Um. Well, that's all the emails. That's all the emails. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote into us over the course of the show. Uh, many of the the funnest and funniest things that came up, I think, came a lot of them came from people um, mentioning things to us in emails. Yeah, and uh, it's great. I love it. I love I love how much you all uh, you know jumped in on the spirit of the thing and and really added to it. It's yeah, it's been amazing. And it's been like kind of quite quite a chunk of our lives right like i mean Mm -hmm. we took a while (laughs) to get through this so yeah 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 and i do and i you know i do um post like something on twitter or whatever from time to time and there's always you know i'll get responses for, for from various people but there's always one person in the middle of the crowd who posts an inspirational quarterly reference i'm always like yeah that guy Right. Dying. Part I of know. the secret club. I know. No, no one else knows what this person is talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but but I do. And I appreciate it. And if it. they investigate, they're gonna go down a serious rabbit hole. Yeah, serious rabbit hole. Serious rabbit hole to which they will never be able to re- send in emails to contribute anything, unfortunately. Yeah. But we can just leave the email address there. Um and if anyone wants to write to it, you know what? I'll check it every now and then. I mean, so you know, I'm sure that there are a number of different things that you will see and date your daily lives that really speak to you about things like antique and buffalo meat and birthday parties. And you, you know you what? Know? If uh, you at home listening to all right. Today, it's June 19th, 2022. If you at home listening to this are like listening to this podcast years in the future and you've just now finished it, go ahead and shoot us an email at theinspirationalquarterly at gmail.com. Or just if it or if it's, you know, June 20th or whatever, just I'm I'm curious like I'm curious how you know like what's the what's the 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 real long long tail of this thing right yeah. like are we like if it's if it is the if it's in the 2030s when you're listening to this just tell us what's going on in the year 2030 you know like shoot us an email and uh let us know whether or not any of this in in this podcast is still relevant in the year 2030 right I'd be curious. I mean, it will always be relevant until it's actually the era in which StarCraft exists, right? And then... Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. If you're writing to us from the year 2500, let us know <laughs> how much how much StarCraft tech actually how, exists. How much antique and buffalo meat that you've actually ingested. Right, 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 right. But uh, yeah, shoot us an email, you know? Um, all right. Well, let's see. Um, that's it. That's, that's the it. inspirational quarterly. Uh, I think we should thank Subsurian for all of uh, his contributions and all of the incredible fact checking that he did. Yeah, and his um, life dedication to the art. 
Yeah, to just doing something that he loves. Um, and of course, we need to thank uh, our heroic, stately, kind, endlessly patient author of the 2006 novel Starcraft Ghost Nova. It's Keith R.A. DeCandido, and we couldn't have done it without him. Yeah, thank you, Keith. Thank you, Keith. Um, and of course, thanks to all of you at home listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this wacky, weird journey. Yeah, thanks for on. coming by and sticking it out through the tough era. <laughs> you made it. You did it. Congratulations <laughs> to you. Um, and I guess there is... Uh, one more person who I need to thank without whom none of this would have been possible at all. And that's you, Kara. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast with me. Well, Um, thank you for having this weirdest idea I've ever heard of. (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting that on the box for Davey. Um, Yeah, this has been an adventure and I'm so glad you, um, you came on it with me. Yeah. And uh, just said yes to whatever the fuck was going to happen. I just bought in every time. (laughs) And and the sunk cost fallacy kept you in. (laughs) After a a certain number of episodes, it was more inconvenient to quit than to (laughs) not. I could have replaced myself with um, a Scottish impersonator or something. And that actually would have been hilarious. <laughs> and if you had done that, that would have been kick-ass. I'll do it next time. <laughs> yeah, not right. Next time, if you would, if you would please do that. Um. All right. Well, are we? Uh, we've closed the book on StarCraft Ghost Nova. I'm going to put this book on my shelf. Um, and it's going to sit there probably forever. Yeah. Uh, are we? Are, are we released from our obligations to this book and to this podcast? I guess, I guess we are. We are? That's it. We can. Oh, Kara. Shelve it, man. Oh, you don't know how happy I am to hear you say that because <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you may have forgotten that we made a pact that if there was ever no, ever an episode of the podcast where we didn't meet a new person that we would both have to eat a page of the book. (laughs) And that definitely, we definitely had weeks where we didn't meet anyone. And I now feel comfortable saying that I am completely off the hook for eating a page (laughs) of Starcraft Ghost Nova. Thanks to your confirming that we are released from our obligations. So (laughs) I did it. I got out. I got out of it. Got out of it. I weaseled my way. I weaseled my way out of it. Nobody can come after me. Nobody can send me emails. Nobody can touch me. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, years in the future, you're going to get emails where they're like, Davey. I thought, I thought you were going to say years in the future, you're going to get like StarCraft Ghost Nova rammed down your throat, like by someone on the street. Like for some reason, that's what I thought you where I thought you were going with that. Do you think that if there's anyone who actually knows what we look like in person that ever recognizes us and listens to this podcast, do you think they will come up to us with a copy of the book and be like, look, 
this is proof. <laughs> that See, I like, <laughs> wait, proof, proof of what? That they're they're fine enough to actually buy a print copy oh. of the book. Oh, if you if you if you bring me a printed a print copy of Starcraft Ghost Nova, I I feel I feel weird signing a different person's book. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I don't know how I feel about that. You can try, and I'll decide in the moment whether or not I feel comfortable <laughs> signing it. I don't know about you, Kara. I mean, I I feel comfortable. I I will draw if you if you find me. I will draw, um, a small picture of the one little uh, starcraft ship that farts its way through space oh and i'll draw a party bus okay great it's, yeah it's that's a green yeah. yeah i also thought you were gonna say if someone comes up to you like at a convention with a page from starcraft ghost nova would would i eat it and the answer is no don't do that oh oh well you know I mean, it's up to the individual person to peer pressure you into doing that. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm not saying that there are no circumstances in which I I could be coerced, <laughs> I guess. I like, mean, it's technically possible. Davey, with the right sauce, anything can taste good. Mm, now that's a slogan. That's, <laughs> that's a slogan for this podcast. We finally <laughs> found a good slogan right at the very end. Oh, um, well... Do we uh do we send it off? Do we do we ship do we uh pack it up and ship it into space? That's it. I salute. All right. I salute uh the 2006 novel Starcraft Ghost Nova by USA Today best-selling author Keith R A DeCandido. You'll be with us always. You will be in our hearts and we will walk this earth with you until all of us die. Thank you so much, Keith, for everything you've done. Thanks once again. Thank you, Keith. And with that, the only thing we can leave it to now is our favorite band of all time. It's the Warp Drive. Kara, are you ready for the Warp Drive? I'm ready. Here it comes. Woo woo. I'm Keith R.A. DeCandido, and thank you for listening to the Inspirational Quarterly.